Welcome to the podcast of data and analytic in business. We will learn from the leading industry experts using data and analytics to solve the problems and create values in practice. We will also learn where the industry is heading to and how data and analytics will shape the industry in the future. Most importantly, how they are preparing their business for digital transformation and disruption in the future. I'm your host, Jason Tan, and thank you for listening. In this episode, we have Nick Young. Nick is the head of marketing at Jacaranda Finance based in Brisbane. As a fintech company, Nick and Jacaranda want to usher in a new era of financial inclusion by making microfinancing available to all Australians. This includes the 3 million people who are deemed unbankable by traditional financial institutions. Nick and I started the interview about his academic and career background and how he moved from the world of IT to digital marketing. Nick provided some really good advice on why the new breed of marketing professional require IT knowledge. And equally, he provides some good suggestions for those who want to move from IT into digital marketing. Subsequently, we move on to discuss Jacaranda Finance, what it does and helps the consumer so we can provide some context on the works of Nick as a head of marketing for a fintech. Now, without any physical presence like the traditional man, I asked Nick how he built brand's awareness, bring in the web traffic and convert the prospect. And Nick started by sharing his view on branding and the website in the world where we live in today and where the smartphone is a dominant force, he explained why it is important to be mobile first. More than that, he spoke about optimizing the customer experience and doing micro conversion whilst they are on the website. And finally, Nick shared about the importance of data and segmentation and how one can achieve this using data and analytic. If you are the senior manager operating primarily in the digital economy or fintech, you will come to appreciate the key principle Nick used to form his strategy of data-driven marketing. If you have any questions for Nick or myself, make sure you send us an email or message on LinkedIn. Last but not least, make sure you click the subscribe button before the interview starts so you will be the first to be informed on the latest episode on how business leaders run a high-performance organization using data analytics. I'm your host, Jason Tan, and thank you for listening. Hello, Nick. Welcome to the Analytics Show podcast. Finally, we get to chat again, and I'm super excited to talk to you about the art of uh, data-driven marketing in the world of fintech. Uh, nice to meet you. <laughs> now, let me get this started, right? For my research and the past conversation, I know you spent quite a few years working as an IT professional in the early stage of a career. So being an IT professional, I'm curious, what led you to move into marketing? Actually, a lot of people ask that question. And so after graduate from uni, I can't even remember when I actually graduated, maybe. 12 years ago, doing my first couple of web developer jobs, I spent a lot of time actually preparing the reports and dashboards, setting up the website conversion tags, event tracking in GA. 
at the time, I sort of start to manage one, also one of the e-commerce business, uh, Google AdWords account, and improve their website SEO rankings. And I guess from that time, and I was just looking for career changes. The reason was, and I started to realize that digital marketing is an extremely vast field with many, many subfields covered under its huge umbrella. So those do act as kind of different type of the um, sort of careers or expertise, and you can take them separately in order to achieve and also make a great career. There's something like an um, SEO, PPC, social media, and content marketing, and data analytics, branding, marketing autom- automation, you name it. And so the, the other good thing I realized was it doesn't let you get bored with your routine job, since you have to have a have to constant learning and you're going to have that constant learning attitude in order to keep your knowledge updated and keep yourself updated with the latest trends in the technology and marketing industry. So it's absolutely also backed by latest technology if you want to be actually really good at for marketing in this industry. As a person with a developer background, at the time, I think I already got plenty of transferable skills to go into the marketing industry. So this was an advantage because at the time, probably even now, not too many marketers have this top of the coding skill set. I so agree. I think the marketing profession, as a profession, my feeling is, is so vastly different compared to 20 or 30 years ago. Having said that, how much would you say those understanding and experience in IT uh, benefiting your marketing career in the 21st century or 2021? <laughs> 2021, that's right. Um, yeah. The people with an IT background understand their audience in, in a much better way or probably a different way compared to a typical marketers. And so as a developer, mindset, if you have a developer mindset, you know how to give out creative ideas in a very unique way and engage the content to your audience, which makes your audience and stick to you and even grow further. So let's say you have a developer background. You have less barriers to become, for example, SEO professionals because you can make lots of recommendations about technical SEO. For example, how to speed up your website and make sure your website is mobile friendly. You know how to actually fix broken internal links Etc. And all of these conversion conversations go easier if you actually have a conversation with the other developer and offer insights rather than just send the demands to them. Another essential skill in marketing is data analytics. Really helpful to pick up the tools, something like Tableau and Python when you already had the coding background. So it's much quicker if you have the coding background. Technical knowledge provides the ability to make your life much easier. And doesn't matter if, if you're writing a quick script in Google Ads or a marketing automation Zaps in Zapier. I love Zapier. A lot of the things, even the this uh, analytics show podcast, I have got a lot of those things automated completely in the background using Zapier. <laughs> so it's one of so the tools. <laughs> Now, my next question for you then is, I think it's so important for the young people to understand where and how to build their career, right? So 
My question for you then is, what would be your advice for the young people who want to move from IT to marketing? Actually, I'm glad you asked this question because if someone actually told me 10 years ago, I probably spend less very less time to convert that between two different industries. So I did actually I found a survey which from Marketing Weeks 2019 and Career and the Salary Survey, they questioned more than 4,000 marketers. It's actually showing only 25% of marketers have a marketing degree. So digital marketing is a career that has lots of related to tech. There is plenty of room for people looking to entering the digital marketing area. And my main advice I will give to the young people who are planning to move from IT to marketing is actually train at your own pace. So you can start working on building a marketing career now from comfort of your own home or do it your way. For example, take online courses, build a blog, set up a website, work on your own social media platform, and get some freelance job. And you are on your way to build a solid portfolio. So for lots of and specialized, there is no need to really spend thousands of hours and thousands of dollars sitting in a classroom. You can really quickly build your skill and get trained in a way that suits your lifestyle. Thanks for that. Now let's dive into the main cause. Share with us what you do and where you currently work. Absolutely. I have been the head of marketing at Jacaranda Finance since March this year. And overall, my responsibility is to lead the marketing activity from digital campaigns, social media, to advertising and creative projects, develop plans, strategy to help establish Jacaranda brand. And so if we actually break down my responsibilities, there are quite a few things I actually focus on since I started. The first thing is the website. So we are a fintech company. We are 100% online. And unlike traditional banks, we don't have any branches you can visit. So this is why the website is so essential because 100% of the sales coming through the site. It's so important, not just for Jacaranda the finance, I probably say for every single business now should focus on mobile first. So there's another research I found online. So 2 billion people now, about 51% of the global population access the internet only from their smartphones. So by 2025, this number will actually jump to 72%. So if you are not designing your website for mobile, you are in the trouble. You lose your customer. I probably say particularly in the finance and e-commerce industry because more people are actually using mobile phone. 82% of the smartphone users who are actually using their phone for financial activities only. And mobile accounts for over 67% for all e-commerce websites. Jacarina Finance website is a great example of the mobile-first website. And we update, we maintain the content and improve the user experience on a daily basis. We run A-B tests. We analyze the click maps. We refresh the website design even every 18 months to suit the trend. And then after that, I'm we probably figure out the website is optimized for our customer experience. Then we convert the traffic into leads. We will focus the pay ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, programmatic, and where we can actually put the information in front of the right people at the right time. And then next thing will be SEO. I think everyone 
from the podcast know how important is SEO. I totally know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of time on that. Yep. Yeah. I, I think last but not least, through your customer reviews, that's so critical. And at Jacarena, we have over 5,000 five-star reviews across all the major review sites. I think it's a, such an incredible achievement for a company that has only six years old history. 5,000 reviews is a lot. That's crazy. I would have to ask you a bit more about that when I get an opportunity. Now, can you please explain to our listener what Jacaranda Finance is and the role that it plays in the financial industry of Australia? And I suppose the reason why I'm asking that is because about 60% of the listeners are actually from overseas. So I just want to give them a little bit more context about Jacaranda Finance. Absolutely. I think today's an online user has come to expect very simple, fast, rapid experience. So at Jacaranda Finance, we leverage AI, machine learning, to offering secured and unsecured personal loans to Australian consumers across a broad range of risk profile. Jacaranda has a simple purpose, to make borrowing money a simple and a fair experience. So we offer fixed rates, structured loans from, from $300 up to $10,000. And unlike a payday loan or cash advance, our personal loan repayment period give our customers some breathing space. We don't charge a processing fee if they are unsuccessful with their loan application. We don't charge an early settlement fee if they pay off the, their loan early. And also, we are 100% online, as I mentioned earlier. So for most of the customers, they can have the cash in their bank and ready to use under 60 seconds as long as their contract has been signed. So we are probably the, the first personal loan company that does this. It's an extremely fast loan process anyway. Like I mentioned, we have 5,000 five-star reviews and across Google, product review, trust pilot. And in 2019, two years ago, we also rolled out a bank statement scoring system. So instead of compared to the manual checking bank statement process, this new scoring system leverage AI and machine learning to clean the data, categorize the data, analyze the data, and determine the risk of bad debt. Fascinating. We'd love to chat about that one day. But I want to focus on the data-driven marketing today. So I suppose the next question I have for you then is, like you were saying, being a fully digital finance company, technically you don't have any physical presence and footprint of the traditional bank. Now, from the marketing perspective, how hard do you have to work in building the brand awareness there? Actually, since you mentioned brand awareness, I think let's actually quickly talk about what brand is, starting with what branding isn't. So I think brand is not logo. I think lots of people think, oh, logo is a brand. Actually, I think logo is part of the brand. Logo is a very useful tool for business. It's a symbol, but it's not a brand. And some people think brand is a promise. It's actually not. People say the brand is a promise that the company makes to customer, and there's some truth in that. They end up acting as a promise but that's not what it is. Brand is not an impression. It's not the sound of all the advertising impression a company makes in front of the audience. I think brand is a result. It's a customer gut feeling about your product, your service, your company. It ends up in their heads, in their hearts. They take whatever raw material you throw at them 
So when you actually create a brand, you are not actually creating one brand. You're creating millions of brands, like whatever many customer or people in your audience. Every single customer has a different brand of you. So a brand is also a reputation. Branding is developing trust. Say, particularly in our industry, financial industry, and there are three steps to build trust, build brand awareness. I think the first step is ability. Does this company and can this company do what they say they can do? Is this company able to perform? Do they have the ability? At Jack Rana Finance, we have our guarantee to all customers that once your application is approved, money will be in your bank account and ready to use on the 60 seconds. Then the second step is care. Does this company care about you? When you apply for a personal loan through the major bank, they only look at your credit score. If your credit score is not good enough, they don't even care about how long you bank with them. I heard so many stories about the customer applies a personal loan. They already waste the bank for 20 years, but they still decline your loan application. As I mentioned earlier, we use bank statement scoring system to determine the risk. So this system also provides a more accurate frame of a client's ability to repay the loan. The last one is integrity. Having a set of value that the other people agree with and the company lives with those values. These three factors drive trust. So as a marketer, I think we define what we stand for and why we exist, how we different compared to our competitors, how we position our customer. As a marketer, we also define what we stand for and why we exist, how we different compared to our competitors, how we position our company to stand out. What is the big reason? Something like the unique brand promise why we exist, what connects with customers on an emotional level, understanding the customer, who these people are, what channels they are on, how we're going to connect with them, what's the reputation that we have created through the products or services we are putting out, the feature of the products, the messaging on our website across all the channels, the looking few of them, our company culture, how does that affect people? How does our customer support behavior when they are on the phone going to affect our reputation? All that stuff counts. It's a, it's a big word. It actually takes all in to the business. Everyone in the company affects the brand, every single one, doing something for the brand or maybe potentially hurt the brand. So I guess on the other hand, our AI and the machine learning engine has provided us with many award entry opportunities and increased brand awareness. We have become a multi-award winning leader, lender actually, due to our continued innovation and expansion through the country. So we have started to run national giveaway for our clients. And most recently, we give away $10,000 cash to one lucky customer in June this year. And in July, we did run another campaign we give away four iPhone 12 Pro, so every so one per week across the entire July, and yeah, we give away four iPhone 12 Pros for, to four lucky customers. So this has been affordable marketing options as a result of our loan processing engine, which has enabled the business to grow fast. We also participate in several charity initiatives and continue to support local sports teams. 
As a result, we have achieved greater brand awareness in particular the Brisbane area and created a meaningful connection with the members of our communities. That's great. Now, the follow-up question I have got for you then is financial decisions are important decisions for any individual. Like any other industry, you have both good and bad apples. So as a brand, how do you bring the customer into the journey of putting their trust in your company and products over the big four banks? We are actually in the subprime industry. So in the subprime lending sector, there are lots of cowboys and give the industry bad name. So some of these lenders prey on people with poor credit, then they can offer extremely high interest rates plus fees. So this often results in further financial hardship for actually their clients. At Chakrana Finance, we believe every Australian deserves financial assistance when they need it. So unfortunately, having a bad credit score typically results in more very limited, expensive credit options. This is why our innovation is a win for our customer because we can offer them a fair, reasonable loan product. Even if their credit score is below the threshold of traditional lenders' requirements, ultimately, we aim to help our clients. So we would never offer consumer a product that we see them worse off financially. They need to be able to offer, afford our loan repayment because uh, our AI engine has only been created and developed very recent and it's highly advanced for the entire industry. The impact of our innovation to this industry and why the business community is minimal at this stage. However, over time, I believe the innovation will greatly impact our industry and the lender will eventually meet us where we are in terms of innovation. And we predict other fintechs will integrate alternative data into their loan processing engines. This will make the subprime lender space more affordable for everyday Australians, no matter their credit score is who need fast financial assistance. As a result, this should improve the reputation of the industry. I think you are so spot on about the alternative data. And I always say to the customer, you only know so much about your customer with your own data. But if you want to know even more about your customer, you should really consider using the alternative data. And I think using the alternative data is really good for credit scoring. And it has been evident in so many different countries and jurisdictions already that it proved to be success. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> now, I want to ask you then is, being digital first, I imagine you have many advantages as an online peer play. Now, without revealing any trade secret, how does this help you to form your overall marketing strategy to drive business performance? Probably just two words. So the first is data. The second is segmentation. So it's when we actually look at the data, segment the data, I think is the key to success. And if we're looking at all these metrics, all visitors, total revenue, or average page view per visitor, a time on site, uh, overall customer satisfaction, all this um, data is aggregated data. Seriously, for me, it's useless because it doesn't give us any insight. So we cannot make any decisions. So it's not very difficult to segment the data. 
And many tools include some default segments so we can apply to any report we are looking at. For example, when we look at revenue performance, we can segment the data paid search versus non-paid search. So we can tell our boss, I oh, made $2 million last, last month, and, but don't you focus on the pay activities because the probably 90% are actually from organic. So the pay is probably only get 10%. And so it's actually not really performing, which means the our business is in trouble because we are too rely on search. We need to improve the pay. So compared to all revenue, this segment the data in just a very simple way is already much better inside. But I'll probably say it's still not good enough because these are the default segments in GA and which created to appeal for everyone, which means your competitors are probably also looking at the same set of data. Again, which means you are not really no better than your competitors. Can I just quickly interrupt for something? I was I just want to put a context for the listener. When Nick say GA, he literally mean Google Analytics. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Cool. I sh- I, yes. <laughs> I just want to make sure that the listener get the idea because not everyone is familiar with the uh, marketing side of the world. So please continue. Yeah, not a problem. I probably just keep saying GA every day now. So. <laughs> and, <laughs> So we just talk about we segment the data between paid and non-paid. It's good, but it's not great. So my advice actually is segment absolutely everything you have. So the true secret will come from only beyond the default segmentations. And you have to have a segmentation strategy that is unique to you. And we're going to actually ask lots of questions. Uh, what is our business objective? What is the goals? What is the target? What do we have in terms of the product, in terms of the services? What is our business process? What is this industry? What is the legislation? Even something like, well, what is the new product and your competitor just launched? And most important, uh, who is your customer? So segment every data you have, this will not only tell you what is important and the current, currently you can prioritize your data, but also will let you know focus and your analytical horsepower based on actuals versus targets. There are actually three single categories, acquisition, behavior, and outcomes. You will choose to focus on the micro group that is actually value to you and is just to you in each category. You will apply those segments to web analytical reports where you hope to find insights. So let's actually go from one by one. So what is the acquisition category? And it's more about activity you undertake to attract people to your site. So page, social ads, programmatic, SEO, email activities, SMS. Then the second behavior, what is behavior? It's more about the activity people are undertaking on your site. Something like what the landing pages drive the most transactions. How many page that to the transactions? How long it takes to the transactions, which is time to transaction? How many visits on your site and to people transact? What kind of the keywords drive to the transaction? So those are all part of the behavior, user behavior on your website. The last one is outcome. What is outcome? And website activities that add value to you. So outcome can be your revenue, and, but it can also be micro-conversions, something like, say, 
Jason, you jump on an e-commerce website, you add the product to the wish list, or you play a video on the side, you download the ebook, you sign up the newsletter, that can also part of the outcome. So segmentation is absolutely the foundation of data-driven marketing. So how do you define data-driven marketing then? I think the main difference with traditional marketing compared to data-driven marketing is that it's where the marketer would only focus on, for the traditional marketing, they only focus on driving traffic to your site or services. But a data-driven market focus on the full customer journey. It's a much longer journey. And there are lots of questions to ask. Will the user engage with the website? Will the user feel a great first user experience and understand the value of your product, your services in their first visit? Will they coming back? Will they actually use your product service again? Will they actually become daily, weekly, monthly, yearly active users? I mean, based on what's top of the business you're running. Where is it actually, even they purchased it before, where is it actually coming back and buy different product or same product again? And what can you do to upsell? What can you do to cross-sell different products? So what is data-driven marketing? It's more about, it's no longer just the marketing. Onboarding customers and retaining them often involve a heavy hand on the development side. And it's directly influenced by the product. Even at the very top of the funnel, marketers like to come up with the creative ways to generate traffic. This is a form of creative marketing, choosing between the millions of combinations of marketing millions and marketing messages. And once they actually assume a steady flow of customer, enough to start running experimentals, girls' team's job is to use data to track customers along their journey and begin to test run A-B tests on how to increase conversions along the way. This usually takes quite a bit of consumer and behavior psychology. What can we use from the field of behavior economies to convert more customers faster? And finally, once we have tested and find out what works, it's about coding that into your product or automation into your processes. So marketing campaigns and gut-driven decisions have been replaced with data-driven marketing nowadays. Can you give us some example of how data and analytics are deployed to allow you to reach the right people at the right time with the right message? I think there are a couple of things we can do here. So first is actually create a customer persona. A marketer can use audience segments to create a persona and highly detailed and representative of a single customer. A persona also will help a marketer to define different segments of an audience to better visualize which type of the campaigns best appeal to customers with different preferences. And there's one study found out using marketing persona made website two to five times more useful and easier to use for target campaigns. The second thing I would recommend is remarking ads with a proper message based on where the user dropped off from your purchase path or from your sign-up phone. And next thing is heat map. It can give a more comprehensive overview of how users are really behaving or incorrect engaged on your site. And the heat map also provide a lot more visual than standard reports which can make marketers easy to analyze. The last is actually build a dashboard 
with so much information being collected through the data analytics in the business every single day, I guess we need to find a way to paint a picture of those data so we can interpret it. Data visualization gives us a clear idea of what information means by giving it visual context through graphs. This makes the data more natural for the human mind to process and make easy to identify trends, patterns in large data sets. I'm curious to know what other marketing problems do you and your team solve using data and analytics, and what business value does it create? So I think the first thing is just start simple. Start where you already have. Most of the business um, don't really need big data or AI yet. Eventually you need it, but not yet because there are so many low-hanging food over there. Going to your Google Analytics, there are so much data over there. And using those data first before you actually adapt big data. Again, it's visualize the data. Not only does the data visualization help communicate your company's story, internal and external, better, but it also helps you understand your own story better by allowing you to process a large amount of information at once Data visualization opens windows of understanding into the working and operational of your own business. Just pick up some common tools, something like Tableau, Power BI, or Data Studios. How has the business landscape and the marketing scene changed compared to 10 years ago when you first started? And I suppose the reason why I'm asked that is especially given the advance of the computing and analytics and also the amount of the data that is available. Then. Yeah, so much change. Yeah, when we actually look back like 10 years ago, it's so much changes. Even every single year, it's so much changes, right? And But to answer your question, I think the last decade was the year of big data and cloud computing. So new data sources such as online click strings require a large set of new hardware offering in the cloud and calculation across multiple cloud server, which can dramatically accelerate times to answer. So cloud-based analytical made it possible for organizations to acquire massive amount of computing power for short period of the time at a very low cost. So even small business could get into it. And for the big company, begin use these tools, not just for big data, but also for traditional small structured data. And many organizations today want and need to integrate it and analytical with their production applications. They might draw from CIM system and to elevate the lifetime value of a customer. Another thing that probably happened is uh, AI, artificial intelligence. So lots of CMOs are increasingly embracing this technology. And there's a survey I read the other day. I remember it talked about at August 2019 by the association, they found out and the implementation of AI actually jumped 27% in the previous year. 2019 compared to 2018. And last year, the Deloitte has a survey and in talk about the early AI adopters shows that three of the top five AI objectives were marketing-oriented, enhancing existing products and services, creating new products and services, and enhancing relationships with customers. AI can streamline the sales process by using extremely 
detailed data on individuals, including real-time geographic locations data to create highly personalized product or services offers. So later in the journey, AI assists in upselling and cross-selling and can reduce the likelihood that customer will abandon their digital shopping carts. For example, after customer fuels a card, AI bots can provide a testimonial to help close the sale, such as great purchase, gems from ABC. Such initiative can increase conversions related or more. Now, from the years of experience you have in data-driven marketing or finance or fintech or insurance company, what advice would you give the marketing team at this organization to future-proof their marketing strategy? I think it's uh, about the first-party data. The reason why we're going to focus on the first-party data is the third-party cookie part, the data. Third-party cookie data is over. Brands need to start and think about the strategy to adapt to first-party data. And we need to diversity and go deeper and reconsider entire marketing strategy, data connection method and models. If we don't want to end up squirming to swipe when third-party cookies are sort of deactive completely, and I guess we need to introduce a model that enables a first-party data has the power to build audience at a scale and empower retailers to better engage with and brands are going to have to work hard to encourage consumers to hand over their data in a certain way and then do something smart about it. And I guess there are a couple of ways to do that. You can try put your site, use a registration form, and you will need to consider some creative method for asking the user to register the site before using any product services on your site. And then after that, you can think about to have a progressive performing. So next step is after people register the account, you want to continue gathering additional data from the user, demographic, geographic, other attributes you would like to know. So ask everything in front is probably a little bit difficult. So performing is, is the way. The last thing is going to be event-based tracking. Beyond the basic clicks and method described previously to append user attributes, collecting in deep behavior data by event-based tracking will deliver a whole different level of first-party data and tools like segment. I know the segment have changed the game when it comes to not just implementing event tracking, but mapping and parsing those data to the core destination, including CIM, analytics, ad tech platforms, raw data storage, so on and so forth. Now, this almost concludes the podcast interview. Here are my two usual questions for every single of my guests. The first one is, what is your most important first principle? Stay relaxed. I still remember the movie from War of the Wall Street. There's a movie since it's like there's a key to success in a business. you got to stay relaxed. I think it's right. It's important to stay calm at work because uh, when you are relaxed, when you are calm, you are usually able to think more logically. You think faster, right? And it helps you make decisions better, more accurate. When you actually stay relaxed, there's more of a chance that uh, you stay positive, which affects your relationship with your colleagues, your, even your families. But I also believe stay relaxed makes you more creative, Scientists study showing the brands 
they find out when the brain is relaxed, it's actually take place when the mind is at the rest rather than working on something. So it's more creative and creative approach are so critical to success now. So this is not to say that people are or work, don't get things done. But on the other hand, they are great at checking off the busy work boxes. So it comes to thinking of a new approach, working smart, not hard, by brave enough to give your brand the leisure it needs to carry your ideas, your careers, and all your company to the next level. That's a nice one. Now, what is one book that you have read and thought it would have been better for your younger self to have? Probably on top of my head, it will be the seven habits of highly effective people. The reason why I actually recommend this one is the habits shape our life far more than we realize. And habits are very strong. More than 40% of the actions we perform every single day are actually not actual decisions, but habits. Not only are habits important, I think they grow stronger and stronger over time and become more and more automatic. So make sure we have the right ones from young age. And I'm not actually going through those all seven, but I want to quickly highlight there are actually three habits from the seven habits. So then I remember it's a probably habit three. It's called put first thing first. People always say if everything is a priority, then nothing is, right? So this habit is, a, I probably look at it the way it's more life management about what comes first, second, third, and like, we can't do everything at once. We will lose focus. We will get distracted if you have too many things to focus on. We need to set the priorities and prioritize what is the matter most. So when you are in the management position, I think you sometimes you have to delegate some to others if you can. Put first thing first means organizing and execute around our most important priorities. There's another one is called think win-win. So from my early age, my parents always teach me about you're going to think win-win, but at the time, I don't really understand how that works. I also know lots of people used to think of life in a competitive manner. They used to believe one man's gain is another man's loss. They didn't believe in a mature benefit whatsoever. And they used to see life as a race that you either win or lose. But since I actually read this book, I can ever thank the authors, Stephen, enough for his great work on this book. This habit teach me to the beauty of win-win, the mutual benefit, mutual satisfaction. I start seeing life as a cooperative instead of competitive, and it helped me a lot. People start seeing me as a man of integrity. It makes me win more friends, more respect. And I believe there's plenty of everyone else. So like the author said, it's a long run. If not a win-win for both parties, they both lose. And I remember the, also the last habit, I think habit seven is called sharpen the soul. And there are four dimensions, like physical, spiritual, mental, and social emo- emotional dimension. I want to quickly highlight one is called mental dimension. So in the mental dimension, we renew our mental dimension by regularly expand our mind by reading good books, writing, watching, informing, inspiring. So I believe if you want to be successful, you're going to read more books because leaders are readers. When Larry Page was asked 
about how he learned to run a company. He responds, I read a lot. When Mark Cuban actually reads three hours a day, I don't think I even have a 30 minutes a day the luxury. <laughs> and I also remember Mark Zuckerberg, personal development in 2015, was reading a book every two weeks, which counts and 26 books a year. That's actually a decent number. So because I think nothing interesting can come out of your brand that you don't put in first. So I encourage anyone, I mean, probably also include me, who has any desire at all of self-improvement to read this book with an open mind. As we get older, we get introspective and we start asking what do we have done right, what do we have done wrong, and what we can do to make our life and you know, family life better. And this is where this book helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I was just going to do a quick plug shamelessly plug to the podcast apart from reading book maybe consider listening to this podcast and learning some amazing things now thank you so much nick for this podcast interview and uh, sharing with us about the art of data driven marketing especially in the world of fintech i i think that was that was brilliant thank you so much pleasure